Read it. What a powerful, powerful message you've just sung. Let me be the very first to wish you a happy new year 2024. How many can say that's the first time you've heard that? Raise your hand. How many think Buddy's finally completely lost it? Raise your hand, all right? What in the world are you saying? Happy New Year in the beginning of November. Here's why. Because what we're going to do together today is going to, by giving your time and your money, is going to determine the kind of new year that we're going to have as a church. And I believe we're going to have a happy new year. Because today we're going to look at the words of Jesus. And Jesus is going to challenge us, I love, to get to work. Now, you can hear that in one or two ways. You might, might hear it like, would you get off your duff and get to work? What is your problem? I hope you don't hear it that way. I hope what you hear this morning is our Lord Jesus saying, here's the most exciting thing I could tell you about life on this earth. You get to work with me. And so this morning, go with me to Matthew chapter 9, and let's watch Jesus set up this ask, this powerful ask for us to be workers in the kingdom. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went throughout the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Before Jesus challenges us about work, he first of all sort of diagnoses the problem. He looks across humanity. I like the way this translation puts it. He says, you guys are confused and aimless. Think about what an accurate description that was in Jesus' day. And what an accurate description that is today. How many people do we see out there that are confused? They don't know up from down or down from up. They don't know right from wrong or wrong from right. I mean, it's just a confusing time. And they're aimless. They really are just drifting through life, trying to find some kind of purpose. Our speakers last week shared with us that 70% of college freshmen come to college depressed. Now, Now, they looked at the answer why they're depressed. Here's how they described it. It was purpose anxiety that most young people today, they are anxious about their purpose. They don't really have a purpose. And when Jesus looks across and he sees people, he says, guys, I see a world that's really confused. And I see people that are really aimless. I like the way this translation puts it. Their problems are so great and they don't know where to go for help. He says they're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't have a leader. No one's leading them in the right way. And so when Jesus looks at humanity, he sees a mess. But here's what I want you to really notice here. Jesus doesn't have the common response most of us would have. The common response when you see everything screwed up in a mess is to get angry. And if anybody had a right to be angry... You think Jesus comes to this earth, he goes, guys, I gave you the commandments. I told you what to do. If you had just listened to me, if you just would do what I commanded you to do, if you just would pay attention to my Father, your life wouldn't be so messed up. But Jesus is not angry. 
And here's something I want to warn you and I about today, because I see a lot of angry Christians out there, and we're just angry. We, we hate the way the world's gone. We hate the way our country's gone, and our reaction is anger. And when your action is anger, there's sort of two extremes. One would be to just sort of retreat. I mean, the world's a mess. I don't like what's going on. Nobody shares my values. Everything's gone crazy. And so let's just have our our little Christian group and let's get in a corner and not interact. That's one. The other, I think, has become very popular reaction of anger is, okay, the world is a screwed up mess. I'm going to attack the world. I think you especially see that in politics today. Instead of being compassionate like Jesus, we're on the attack. Let's just attack our enemies and think that's going to make things better. Now, here's the good news for you and I. When Jesus looks down and saw them, or when Jesus looks now and sees us, he doesn't get angry. Here's Jesus' response. It's compassion. Now, this is my favorite definition of compassion. Listen with me. Compassion is your pain in my heart. How would you say that with me? Compassion is your pain in my heart. And the Bible says seven times Jesus was filled with compassion. What's that saying? Jesus could feel people's pain. Despite the fact he was perfect, he could see confused, aimless people and know how bad that was, and he would feel it in his heart, and he would care. You know, I I saw that a few weeks ago. Many of you are probably here on the Sunday where David Vickers gave the testimony about his son Griffin passing away, which the anniversary was just this past week. And they've used that as a platform to share the gospel. And that Sunday, in first service, after David was sitting over after his testimony, Ricky Smith walked forward. Just three weeks before that, she had lost her young son. And she walks forward and she meets me right here. And she points over to David. And she says, I want what he's got. And then I saw them unite. And here's the cool thing. David could feel her pain in his heart. And so he was the perfect one to minister And that's the good news of our Lord. He understands what you're going through. And he doesn't get mad when you blow it. He's compassionate. Now, here's what I want you to see this morning. It's taking me a long time to see. When we understand this, we understand the gospel more fully. You see, when you understand this, this leads to to announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. That's what it said right at the beginning of our passage. Jesus is announcing good news of the kingdom. What is that? Listen, the good news is more than just you got your ticket punched to heaven. The good news is not just having your ticket punched to heaven. The good news is being commissioned to announce the kingdom of God. Do you see the difference? If all you think Christianity is about is being saved and lost or heaven or hell. And so I come to Jesus and part of the good news obviously is he's washed my sins away like we just sang. He paid it all. And now I know one day I'm going to heaven. That's awesome. But if that's all there were to it, he would have just taken you straight to heaven. If that's all there is to it, is I'm just waiting for heaven, well, then I'm just going to try to figure out what is the minimum of Christianity 
I'm just going to sort of show up at church waiting for him to come back. But here's what we find out from Jesus. The good news is not just you're going to heaven. The good news is while you're here, you're commissioned to share the good news of the kingdom of God. What in the world is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is wherever God is king. In other words, when we spread the kingdom of God, if we go to our home, what's it mean for it to be the kingdom of God? It means my home is ruled by God. When I go, like we've been talking the last weeks, to my workplace, what does it mean? I take part of the kingdom of God. To my neighborhood, to the Bolson neighborhood this week, in this church, we're announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. So our good news is not simply, I got a ticket to heaven. Our good news, listen closely, is we get to bring heaven to earth. That's good news, because that says to you and I, it's not just waiting on heaven, it's what we're going to do right now. It changes everything. So Jesus has set this up. He said, he's out spreading this good news, that God is king, and you need to let your life be under his rulership. And then he gets the part about workers. Look at verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, that's the good news. But the workers are few, that's the bad news. The answer, ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I love this. Jesus challenges us with three, three-word statements. Number one, harvest is plentiful. What's he saying? When I look out and I see all these confused, messed up people, I think they're open to God. You know what Jesus said? It's the sick who need a doctor. The people Jesus could help were not the self-righteous religious people who thought they had it all together. The people Jesus could actually help were people who knew their life was a mess. And so Jesus, when he looks, he's got compassion. And second, he believes, you know what? These people know something's wrong with their life. They're looking for God. And my friends, when we look out at a culture that's gone crazy, it's not our job to be angry about it. It's our job to be compassionate about it and say, you know what? A lot of people are aimless and they're going down one dead-end street after another. 70% of college freshmen, my goodness, are depressed and full of anxiety. And so people are open. We've experienced that in this church over the last year. I don't know if you paid attention to some of those numbers we we put out there, but in the last year, we as a church have welcomed 162 new members. And I I remember one of those new members coming saying, and I don't give us any credit, it's all God's credit, but saying, I just never thought a church could be this way. I didn't view church as a place of grace and hope and purpose. And so God has blessed us with all these people. And then we've seen 37 people surrender their life to Jesus Christ. I think about Stacy Ballard just a few weeks ago who had saved a phone number given to him by a sweet nurse, a member of this church, for six years until he finally came to a point in his life where he wanted to turn it around. And he called this church, and we got him involved in our addiction recovery ministry, RSVP. And before long, Stacy came to a point where he believed that Jesus was the Christ. He turned his back on sin, and we got to witness him being baptized into a brand new life. And here's what I'm saying to you. 
We need to believe what Jesus is saying. The harvest is plentiful. We're seeing that among our young people in this church. What an exciting thing to see all the young people being baptized, going, you know what? Right now, even early in my life, I know I want to follow Jesus. So statement number one, the harvest is plentiful. Statement two, here's the bad news. The workers are few. Now, I will stop there and talk about the good news in that statement. The good news is Jesus did not say there are no workers. In fact, man, I, I'm just so proud of this church. I, I'm so thrilled with what happened yesterday in that neighborhood. We had challenged you for 150 of us to show up. At least that many showed up. And man, it, it was a beautiful thing seeing everybody serve together. I'm telling you, we got some great workers in this church. And I am so very thankful. Some of you are fairly new to this church. And I just think about the way that you have just jumped in. The way that, yeah, I saw some people at Love the City yesterday who are, are just new here. And then I see people that are working in ladies' ministry and people that are working in our welcome ministry and go, wow, look at that. And guys, we've had so many incredible servants in this church for so long. In fact, I want to take a time out right now, and I want to honor one of the greatest, and that is Doug Durden. Doug Durden, would you come up here to stage? 25 years ago, you know, there's a lot of grass around this church. Have you noticed? And, and, and we cut this grass. Um, in, in fact, you might well, buddy, what are you talking about? There's a lot of grass. I'm not talking about marijuana, all right? That's all right. Isn't it sort of weird they call it grass and weed at the same time? And, and, and this guy has been working 25 years. Now, here's, here's the story before I present Doug with this award. 25 years ago, there was an older man named Bernard Merritt. Skinny little old guy was a man, such a worker. And Doug would look out here on Saturday and see that man cutting all this grass. And Doug said, man, man I could do that. And so for 25 years, 15 years ago, Doug began to be in charge of the grass cutters. Can you imagine how much money we've saved? It's probably paid our debt off, right? And so this morning, I want you to join with me as we give Doug what we call the second mile service award. Here's what Jesus says. If anyone forces you to go one mile, don't do the minimum. Go with him too. And this is presented to Doug Durden on behalf of the entire Landmark Church for your devotion, extraordinary dedication, and service. Thank this man for what he's done. Thank you. I'd, I'd like to say a few things. I'd like to just say a few things. I'm, I'm, yeah, y'all sit down, please. I, I'm very honored to accept this, excited. Um, I wanted to let you know that um, I was tricked and lied to in first service. They took the award back. Um, I'm holding very tight to Buddy Bell right now, and I don't, um, you know, you keep your enemies close. Um, yesterday at church, uh, Stephanie Bell, her, his loving wife, said, said hey, uh, my mom's coming back to church. Um, do you mind walking her in? I've got the nursery first service. And I said, oh, I look over at my wife, and my sweet Gail, I said, can I bring my girlfriend in church? She says, yeah. I was so excited. I sat out first service, 
at 8 o'clock waiting for my girlfriend to drive in, parking handicap where I could walk her in. But it didn't happen. But Stephanie has repented. She's teared a little bit. I hope Buddy does the same when he brings us forward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank all the guys that helped. I got you. I don't feel any need to repent myself, okay? I, I think it's awesome. And Doug said, make sure you thank I And mean, there's been a whole crew of grass cutters who've done this. And guys, we've got so many people who work. And yet Jesus still said, there's not enough. You know, the rule in most churches is 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I think we're much better than that. But on today, we're going to have the opportunity to go way beyond that. Today, we're going to have the opportunity to do what Jesus said in this third statement. What do you do? When the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, you ask for workers. He didn't say we ask for more attenders. He didn't say we even ask for more members. He said we ask for more workers. And God's not asking you to work to earn your salvation. Please don't get that wrong. God is asking you to work because of your salvation. We ought to be the most motivated people on the face of the earth because of what Jesus has done for us. I want to stop right now and obey Jesus' command to pray this prayer. Bow your head with me. Father, we do look at a world that's confused and aimless. We look at a lot of people, Lord, no matter what material possessions they have or careers they have, they're struggling, Lord. And Father, when you look at that, thank goodness you're compassionate toward us. And and you see that the harvest is plentiful, and we do too. But we also see what you said, Jesus, that the workers are few. And so we're going to obey your command today, and we are going to ask in your name that you bring forth workers for the harvest. And we're going to ask in the next few minutes, Father, that you do that as we ask. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we'll come to the point of our message this morning. We're just going to make the ask, okay? And I want to go back to, we studied Nehemiah not too long ago. I love when Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. And he's going to have to ask the people to help. Listen to what he said in chapter 2. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. We're in a mess. And then he says, come on, guys. Come. Let us, not me, not you, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. That there will no longer be disgrace. And then I love this part. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said. Nehemiah says, you will not going to believe this, but a heathen king not only sent me back here, but he sent all the supplies. I want you to know what I'm asking you to be about is not about me. It's not about you. It is being right in the middle of the will of God. And man, did the people respond. They replied, let us start rebuilding. And they began that good work. Amen. Amen. And today, I am here to boldly ask you to be a worker in this church. Now, I know there's lots of things you could say to, to say, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I could do this or some excuses. I mean, they're pretty common. Some of us might just simply say, you know, I, I'm not really needed. Somebody else will do it. That's one of the big problems in a big church is we always think somebody else will do it. My friends, we need you. I hope I say that enough this morning. We need you. You might say, well, you know, if they need me, they'll call on me. 
Because here's what's so great about today. Today's the day where we sign up for what we're going to do in 2024. And, and don't, don't wait for someone to call you because we don't know by osmosis what you are called to do. You might say this morning, you know what, I, I, I just can't believe God could use somebody like me. If you know my past, you'd say, no, listen to me. Here, here's what I've come to see. Often the people with the most messed up past are the most powerful workers for God. You got, you got a story to tell. Or you might just say, you know, I'm too old. Some of the greatest workers in our church are in their 80s and 90s. You might say, I'm too young. Some of the highest percentage givers on Mission Sunday in February will be five and six years old who've been saving their allowances. Or you might say what I think most of us would be tempted to say, I'm just too busy. Guys, I've noticed this. You've heard me make this point before. Is I feel like the world's just crowding our time. And, and so we do feel busy. We are busy. I mean, you know, you know, I love college football, but I can remember when it was only 10 games and maybe a bowl game, and then there were 11 and 12, and now if you go all the way, it'll be 15. And after next year, it'll be 17 or 18 games. And we're all okay with that, and we all stay into it. Guys, I can remember something this radical. I can remember when Halloween was celebrated on one night. Have you seen how many Halloween, fall festivals, trunk or treat, trick or treat? Some of you are taking your kids to four or five of them. And again, we're okay with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There can be good in that. But can we just see for a moment that our world is crowding our lives? So when we say, hey, man, why don't you come down to love the city? I'm going, man, we're worn out from five trick-or-treats. See, guys, what we got to be willing to do is we got to say no to our schedules being overcrowded by things that won't matter for eternity so that we can say yes to the things that will matter forever. I'm going to call a young couple up here that I think demonstrates this well. Matt and Paisley Oliver love this young couple. They met each other. Matt was a student at Faulkner University. Paisley was a student at um, AUM, and they still loved each other. And it was less than a year ago. They got, how long ago we all got married? A little over a year. And a, half. a year and a half. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Man, it's, just, it's been so beautiful. It just seems like overnight. Um, Matt recently uh, finished law school and passed his uh, bar exam. And but <laughs> you say, well, why, why do you have these guys? Because here, here's what has always amazed me about this couple is before they were ever even married or engaged, they've been serving back in our nursery. They don't have children. They don't have grandchildren at stake here, as you hope. Don't they? <laughs> they don't. So could you add, just... What first, Paisley, prompted y'all to get involved in the nursery? Well, for Matt, he was actually in a life group um, before I started coming to Landmark. And he, he had a friend in there, Jacob Connor, if any of y'all know him. Um, he decided he was going to sign the entire group up to work nursery. So he signed every single person in life group up. And Matt worked it for a month. And he, you know, he liked it. And then I started coming to Landmark about three years ago, and I love babies, and I was like, this is a place that I could, you know, really enjoy because I get to spend time with babies. And so we signed up, and we worked it for a month, and then I guess nursery just really liked us, 
And they decided that we were just their go-to people. They're in case of emergency people. So that means, you know, if they don't have anyone sign up or work, they will call us to come and work. And so you would think, okay, well, you know, maybe they work once every few months. No. Um, we usually are in nursery about every, I'd say, two to three Sundays every month. So I think that's a good average. Yeah, I think it this just. This is where we need more workers. Yes, right? definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that that just goes to show this is a place that needs people to serve and needs people to dedicate their time and give it to nursery. Well, for instance, today, they've obviously been up here with me both services, but in Bible class, they're back in the nursery, okay? Mm-hmm. So, Matt, Matt, tell us about your encounter there in the nursery. It was something that I didn't think I'd ever do um, until Jacob Connor put me out of my comfort zone. Um, and it just, just kind of clicked. Some, it, it's really not hard, and especially if you're a guy, you don't have to change diapers. That's always, that's why I keep coming back. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah, Matt's also had a, a heart for Serve Together Saturday, which was, love the city yesterday. And um, Matt, what do, what, do, what do you think's the beauty and the power of serving together in a day like that? I think you get to see you get to see how God intended life to be. So yesterday at Serve, or Serve Day at Inner City, there was, um, there's this lady named Miss Missouri, and she did not expect anybody to come. And when I just, I kind of just bust up into her house, I'm like, hey, Miss Missouri, good to see you again. And she, her, the way her face looked. So you get to experience people. Uh, you get to experience their day being made. You get to experience their reaction to seeing Jesus in action. You know, um, I've also seen you be willing to stretch yourself, and uh, I, they came to our life group, and, and after a few months, I, I called Matt one day and said, Matt, you've got a lot to share. You're not sharing it. Would you speak up a little bit more? Well, little did I know what I'd create, all right? But you, you, you not only spoke up, but recently you became a life group leader, and uh, why were you willing to stretch yourself? I was never against it. I just like to learn in situations. And so when Buddy asked me to, to do it, he, he wanted me to go through the training. And so when the preacher asks you to do something, you do it. But um, in all seriousness. you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> the answer to Buddy asking is what? Yes. Thank you. Um, but in all seriousness, I, it's just something that I was asked to do. And it's something that I didn't mind doing. And it's been a blessing just to get to lead. And, you know, I did it for the first time the other week. So, I mean, it's just it's something that is... Honestly, stepping out of your comfort zone is fun sometimes. And I, I'm not saying this just because these guys on stage, but Matt led a couple weeks ago, and he's as natural a leader as I've ever seen. You did an incredible job. Thank you. So, Paisley, help us out here, Matt. Um, what's the blessing of serving? Well, we're I, all thinking about what we're going to do next year. What's the blessing? I think for just like me and Matt personally, it, mm-hmm. it's been such a blessing to our marriage. We both have like servant hearts. We have a passion for volunteering and giving back and just getting to do that together has just been such a blessing for us. It's mm-hmm. brought us closer and we've gotten to make so many incredible friends that we definitely would not have met if we didn't serve a nursery or go yeah. to the Boylston neighborhood. So yeah. it's just been a blessing in that sense. Yeah, if I never um, served in the inner city church, I would have never met one of their ministers, Dustin Villarreal. He's become one of my best friends. And without serving, I would not have been able to have that opportunity to meet him. And I think also how it's blessed me specifically is I get to, again, see how Jesus intended or God intended this um, life to work. And I get to be a part of a church that I want to be. It's, you know, a lot of people like to sit back and um, want a good church, but they don't want to put in the work. And so this gives me, you know, the blessing of getting to bring that to other people. Yeah, so like we said at the beginning, you get to serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I really appreciate you guys. I know your age and how busy you guys have been. It would have been real easy to say, you know, let's get a little yeah. further in our life. But you guys have, have jumped right in. Not only have you been blessed, but we've been blessed. Would you give a hand to Matt and Paisley? Thank you for sharing. So that brings us um, to this moment where we um, are going to challenge us all to serve together. So if we can cut the overhead lights on. In your lap, there should be two things that's in your lifeline. One is this Serve Together form. We'll look over that in just a moment. But there's also a commitment card. And our shepherds would love to be able to know what commitment you would make financially. Man, this is one of the greatest ways to be blessed. And you can fill that out, put it in the card. What are you planning, God willing, to be able to give every week? If you don't have one, Dan's up here and he can get, get one to you if you didn't get that coming in. But here's what I want to ask over the next few moments, is that all of us take a moment to fill this out. And let me say a couple of things before we really get to work. First of all, nobody can do everything on this forum. You can see it already. It is actually quite overwhelming. Nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. And so I want to challenge you today before you walk out of here that you look over this. Because here's the way we do it at Landmark. We don't carry you over, like if you taught the third graders last year, it doesn't mean you're going to teach them in 2024. You won't. Unless we get this form that says that's what you want to do. We want you to have a clean slate every year for God to call you. And I want to challenge you to look over the sheet to think of two things. Number one, what are some of your spiritual strengths? What are some of your spiritual gifts? What are some of your talents? Make sure you sign up in those areas. And second, I want to challenge you to do what Matt did this year, Matt and Paisley. Where's an area that you could stretch yourself and God could use that to help you grow? So, I mean, just if you're looking over the form, the front side, there's just a lot of information. Please give us all of that. And then I'm just looking down this, this front page. Let me point out a few things. There's never a moment where we don't need children's ministry help. And guys, I don't know if you noticed, but our children's ministry is exploding. We're trying to figure out ways to rearrange back there for more space. Men's ministry, women's ministry is on this side of the form. Both of those are doing new things. Small group leaders, we're always needing people to do what Rick and Stephanie Solar did a few weeks ago. They saw a group of friends that we will start a small group. Check there. Our welcome team, you know how important that is. On the back side, let me point out a couple things right, right quickly there. Technical ministry, because of, you know, um, being on live stream and all we're doing right now, we need more tech, tech help. And so if you are technically inclined, this would not be my strength, okay? But some of you are technically inclined. If you could help us, that would be awesome. Worship ministry, you know that's expanded. If you have some gifts in singing or playing and you want to help, please check that. And, of course, you know, just recently we've been opening the Life Center. Here, here's what I want you to see, guys. We've started so many new initiatives, and this is why if you are new here, uh, uh, let me just tell you, you're not on probation, okay? The, this is the moment where we need your help. Something's really blessed me and stretched me is going to Halcyon Elementary and just being a mentor for a little kid over there, got a little fifth-grade kid. That's an awesome thing. One ministry that we're really going to expand this year is what you see called our prayer ministry, telecare, teletext, which is basically saying we're going to be having a positive contact with every Landmark member 
simply saying, what can we pray for you about? If you're not able to get out, or maybe you're watching live stream right now, but you could send a text or make a phone call, this would be a ministry for you. So right now, please, just take your time to fill this out. Also, your giving commitment, put that in an envelope. Our shepherds are going to come down front now and stand around the stage. And as a sign of your commitment, we're going to ask you just to come and put your commitment in a basket, all right? And this is going to say to our shepherds who lead our church, we're here to serve. Now, Carl's will be here. Zane and Jeff and Josh will be across this front. Let me read one more passage as you finish your sheet. And again, we're going to sing in just a moment. Take as much time as you need to fill this out. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Because here's what God says. is when we come together to serve, we become a masterpiece. Notice, he didn't say, you, or buddy, you're my masterpiece. He said, we are his masterpiece. Some of you may have had an experience of signing up here for something, and we never contact. We are putting measures in place where that never happens again. We become God's masterpiece. We say every Sunday before the offering, we get to do together what none of us could do apart. And when we make this commitment today, God will bring us together to be the body of Christ and to spread the good news of the kingdom. One of my favorite stories I've heard recently was of John F. Kennedy. When John F. Kennedy became president in 1960, he said what people thought was a crazy goal, that by the end of that decade, we would put a man on the moon. And so before Kennedy was assassinated, he went down to um, NASA, Cape Canaveral it was called then, and he's visiting around all the workers there. And while he's there, he meets in the hall a janitor. And President Kennedy asked that janitor, he said, sir, what do you do here? Here was the janitor's answer. I'm a part of helping put a man on the moon. And what I'll say to you, every bit of service you will volunteer for today will be a part of not just putting a man on the moon. It will be a part of bringing heaven to earth. So take your time. We'll um, start with just some music in the background, go into a song, sit there and fill out till you're comfortable, and then you can stand up. But just if you would, bring those things to the front because, my friends, we have the incredible privilege that we get to work as co-workers with God. So this is your response today. Why don't you come while we sing?